Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. You know, it's been a little over 24 hours, and there are still questions about Aaron Rodgers and that positive COVID test. It is official. He was not vaccinated. That had been reported yesterday, but it was underlined when it was announced that he had tested positive and would not play on Sunday. Remember the rules. The rules are that unvaccinated players who test positive have to quarantine for at least 10 days, regardless of symptoms. On the other hand, if you are vaccinated and you have no symptoms, you can come back if you have two negative tests, which are 24 hours in between. All of that is to say that if Rogers had been vaccinated, there was a chance that he could have played on Sunday against Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. And I know what some of you are thinking. I know what some of you might be thinking. What's the worst that could happen if I don't get vaxxed? The answer is Blake Bortles. That's the answer. That could happen if you don't get vaccinated. Because that's the guy the Packers had to pull off of a golf course. Literally. In order to have a backup quarterback for Sunday's game. According to the AP's Mark Long, and I quote, Former Jaguars legend Blake Bortles was even through seven holes on Ponte Vedra's ocean course this morning when he got the call to fly to Green Bay. He was staring at double bogey on number eight when he picked up. Gotta love the boat. End of quote. True enough, you do gotta love the boat. Everybody loves the boat. And the boat was having one hell of a round. Even through seven on the ocean course? I mean, sure, he was looking at something ugly on number eight. But if I know the boat the way I think I know the boat, he was going to bounce back strong on nine, play well through the turn. Because nobody rebounds from adversity like the boat. But instead of carting something in the 70s on the ocean course, the boat had to jump on a plane. And then fly to Green Bay. And honestly, I know that right about now, everybody is so sick and tired of COVID and hearing discussions about vaccines. Like, I get that. I know that. But when we're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, missing a game against a younger all-time great, then it is a topic. Because that would have been one of the matchups that you would have circled on the proverbial calendar when the schedule was released. And now it's off. Patrick Mahomes v. Jordan Love does not have quite the same ring to it, does it? And don't even get me started on Patrick Mahomes v. The Boat. So yes, vaccines are a topic again. And it's also going to be a topic when people thought that somebody was vaxxed, only to find out that he was not. Then there's that report from ESPN that Rogers had, quote, pursued an alternative treatment and then petitioned the NFL to recognize him as vaccinated. End of quote. And of course, that didn't work because the guidelines were pretty clear. To be vaccinated, you needed to get the vaccine. Natural immunity or alternative treatments were not allowed. Again, pretty binary. Either you are or you are not. Now, I know the argument that a person's vaccination status is a personal matter, I know that argument. I just really don't agree with it. I just don't. The point of vaccinations is that you're not just protecting yourself, 
you're protecting those around you, and you're impacting those around you. Because as we're seeing, Aaron Rodgers is not the only one impacted by him missing Sunday's game. This impacts the entire Packers fan base. It impacts the entire Packers team. And not just from a winning game standpoint either, but from a health and a safety standpoint. And there's also this, right? Not to get too far into the weeds, but if you were somebody who got down on the Packers' season win total, would you have been interested to know if their most important player was or was not vaccinated? I mean, it's probably moot now, but that might have been a piece of information that might have been helpful. It might have led you a certain way before you made that legal wager. So it's not just about that answer to the question back in August that gave people the impression that he was vaccinated. There's more to it. It's the other images that we have seen where he appeared to be doing things that would violate protocol if he wasn't vaxxed. So now you have the issue of whether or not he was violating COVID protocols by having press conferences without a mask, by standing on the sideline in the preseason without a mask, or whether the league would let that slide, and whether the images and videos of him from an indoor Halloween party are also violations of protocols. You see, a press conference detail is significant because the rules are unvaccinated players have to be masked up at all times when indoors at the team facility and also the stadium on game days, but Rodgers has not worn a mask during his pressers. So when you see all this stuff, you would assume he is vaccinated. But now that we know he's not, now what? Has he been violating protocols all along? Has he been fined all along and nobody knew it? Or has that not happened? I mean, what's going on here? What's going on? The NFL issued a statement, which read, quote, the primary responsibility for enforcement of the COVID-19 protocols within club facilities rests with each club. Failure to properly enforce the protocols has resulted in discipline being assessed against the individual clubs in the past. The league is aware of the current situation in Green Bay and will be reviewing the matter with the Packers, end of quote. So it comes down to this. It's still kind of confusing, right? But it's confusing as to why it's kind of confusing. Like, how did we not know this before? Why was there all this secrecy surrounding this? Like, we certainly know about other players who chose not to get vaccinated. And they took a lot of heat for it. And understandably so. Maybe that's the reason that Rogers said he was or never said he wasn't vaccinated. Only that he was immunized. I don't know. I don't know why he held it like that. Maybe he didn't want the heat. I don't know. Maybe he didn't want the heat, but he's getting it now. And now he and the team are in a bad spot. A bad spot. Bottom line, transparency wins. Jordan Love might not. I know the boat won't. Or he wouldn't have been on the golf course in the first place. Like, you want to quantify. You want to quantify the importance of an Aaron Rodgers absence against Kansas City. After Kansas City barely beat the Giants on Monday Night Football, the consensus line at the Vegas Sportsbooks was a pick em. Now the Chiefs are a seven-point favorite. Meantime, oddsmaker Jim Rome would move it another touch if he were to find out that the boat is starting. 
So let me ask you something, and you tell me, does this sound familiar? You've got that one device that allows you to catch the game live, and then another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbors, best friends, dads, moms, login for all the good stuff. Yet, let me tell you a better way, a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without all that hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorite together like never before so you can watch all your favorite sports movies and shows in one place that means no more juggling remotes no need to buy another device ever again and the very best part there is no annual contract Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. He is Steve Smith Sr. Steve, before we talk football, I got to ask, man, how you doing? How is your life right now, Steve? Doing good, man. How you doing? Good, dude. Good, good, good. Listen, I know you're in season and you're on your grind, but I have to know, are you still hiking with the fam? You know, it's, a little, it's starting to get a little chilly uh, down here in uh, Charlotte. It's raining. Uh, but I'm in Indy, but, you know, we're just kind of doing our thing and enjoying life. Uh, so it's going good. I got you. All right, then. Steve Smith Sr. joining us. Listen, what was your reaction when you heard that Aaron Rodgers would not be playing in Sunday's game against Kansas City? What were your thoughts when you heard that? Uh, you know, we've heard, you know, I, I think the lead, I think the players have done a really good job minimizing um, to the best of their ability of being exposed to COVID. You know, um, obviously numbers and things are going down. Uh, but, you know, very rarely are we hearing quarterbacks because of uh, how much they interact. You know, they, they, they're touching the ball every play. So they're, they're essential to making the offense go. And when Aaron Rodgers, when I heard that about Aaron Rodgers, I said, ooh. Um, but I think it's also a complex answer because with everything that has been going on, you know, prior to the season and this happening, uh, I'm not trying to speculate or say anything more. I just think it's very interesting. And I think uh, it, it, it is going to show, you know, is it a Matt LaFour system that's being utilized and to his best potential, or is it Aaron Rodgers? And then what does Jordan Love do? Was he a guy that was worth moving up in the draft to get? Uh, is this – air quotes, the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre kind of, uh, you know, uh, history repeats itself. We don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say Jordan Love had the same, in college, had the same uh, attributes that Aaron Rodgers had. But, you know, you just kind of wonder how is it going to play out long term. I'll tell you what, they're going to get a look, right? They're going to get a look. They're going to get a look right now that they ordinarily would not have gotten had this not happened. So Jordan Love is up. We're going to get a look. And because he was not vaccinated, it's not one of those deals, Steve, you know this. It's not going to be like a day and two negative tests. It's going to be a 10-day thing. So he'll get a look. Steve Smith Sr. is joining us. Steve, let me ask you about one of the other big stories right now, Odell Beckham Jr. and his role with Cleveland. I mean, (laughs) there you go. I don't even think I need to ask you. You you can tell me. But bottom line, I thought that was a great thing when it happened. It turned out not to be a great thing. Why do you think that hasn't worked out? 
And you're chuckling already, so let me get your thoughts on that. Well, I'm chuckling because I've been listening to everybody speculate and talk. And, you know, one of the things that never and will never get explained to it to the nth degree is the complexity, the roller coaster of what happens in a locker room between players, coaches, and general managers. Good, bad, and indifferent. When you're just like being in a marriage, raising kids, being an adult, life in itself, if you keep a thermometer on life, how it goes from when you wake up till you go to sleep seven days a week, it's pretty safe to say that thermometer will, will, will hit 200 and it'll get down to 80, you know, 90, 90 degrees or 30 degrees. It just goes up and down. And so the Odell, Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield, if I throw all of that into the blender and I make it into a smoothie, at the end of the day for the Cleveland Browns, it's a bad taste. It's not very good. It's not palatable. It's not sellable. And let's be honest, it's not making them win in the way that when you look at this roster on paper, they should be better. But for some reason, multiple reasons actually, they are not. And Baker's not to blame, but he is not innocent. Odell is not to blame, but he is not innocent. Coach Stefanski, uh, general manager Barry, everybody's included because you have to include everybody because when you win, you include everybody. When you lose, you include everybody. So when you have a potential divorce coming, everyone plays a role. No one wakes up and divorce themselves. They must have had some interaction, functional, dysfunctional, with that individual to come to the conclusion why things are not working out. Steve Smith Sr. joining us. You put all that into a blender and you have a smoothie and it doesn't taste right. That's like one of those smoothies that's like all kale and spinach. Like that crap's good for you, but it tastes like crap, but that one's probably not even good. It's not even good for you, right? It just didn't work. Too much ginger, turmeric, all, all that Cayenne. stuff. Man, all that stuff we got to look up and say, what do you put that in? <laughs> and why does it go with my smoothie? Right. It de- it doesn't, and it didn't work. Let me ask you this, Steve Smith, Sr., my guest. Like, when you look at the league right now, and you look at how wide open it is right now, now you're not a guy who's going to look back and say, like, you understand, like, timing is timing. It is what it is. You yep. can't control that. However... I had your stats at the very top. You had one of the all-time great careers in league history. Is there any part of you that thinks, look, I get that you have a new life, but any part of you that thinks, man, if I played right now, my numbers would be so much better. My contracts would be so much bigger. It would be all different if I played today. Do you ever think that? Well, I I do think that sometimes, but also, like, you you know, when people ask me, like, oh, do you think you make more money? I I said, you know, somebody show I'll be a two hundred million dollar quarterback. People are like, "Oh, he's such a tool." I'm, and and I love saying that sometimes because people don't understand, and and they and they kind of take away and they think, "Oh, I'm just this." You got to understand when I played and now today with the collective bargaining agreement, ninety six percent of the cap must be spent. So when you must spend it, you must overpay. You must pay whoever it is. The current rate, right? So if, if you have a player that's been to the Pro Bowl 
And the guy before him two years ago got that was went to the Pro Bowl and number numbers are similar, and he gets paid. The new guy must get must set the market or be close to that. Whether he deems that or not, it doesn't matter. That's the current rate. And, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, if we talk about let's keep Cleveland in, in, in perspective. Whether you like Baker Mayfield or not, you I personally do not believe Baker Mayfield is a Two hundred million dollar quarterback that that should command eighty six million dollars or seventy five million dollars guaranteed because when you look at even just in his division he can never carry his team on his back like a Joe Burrow still young but you see it clearly what he's capable of doing Lamar Jackson carries the team right. <clears throat> You go with Big Ben, he's older, but when Big Ben was at his best, carried the team. Now, when we talk about Cleveland and, and, and Baker, Baker is an okay quarterback, but he's not a $2 million quarterback. He's not a $75 million guaranteed quarterback. Because as we see, if he gets hurt and Case Keenum comes in, he did the same thing, which is win, right? Be efficient. And and so by me saying all that is the times change and the price the prices rise, but the commodity of the player, you know, it's always going to be what it is. Players are going to make a lot of money at that current time, but as time goes on, the current time, you know, inflation and all that stuff hits. So it's it's always going to be different. And I, I love the time that I played because I can crack back, I can hit. It was physical. It was fun. The game has changed. And I, I wouldn't say that I couldn't play and I can play. I enjoyed my moment that I was in, and I'm thankful because there are mo- many more moments next year in the draft that guys want to have careers like mine or just get in the league like I wanted to. So, you know, I'm I'm, I'm happy where I'm sitting, and right now I'm sitting in Indy, uh, you know, watching TV, talking to one of my favorite guys, Jim Rohn, and Bronson in a T-shirt, underwear, and socks. I mean, life ain't bad. My man. Steve Smith Sr. I appreciate you saying that. It means, it means the world to me, honestly. I want to ask you something, Steve, and, I, and I'm going to respect how you answer this, well, however way you answer this. In a recent episode, I, I mentioned that you have a podcast, the Cut To It podcast. It's a really good listen. You talk to other athletes and celebrities about sports, life, and more. In a recent episode, you recently went very deep and personal on a childhood trauma. I want to be extremely respectful of this and your experience, but it's very real and it's very powerful. So I just want to ask, what was it like to talk about it and how did it feel to share that with your audience? Well, you know, I had, um, I did some, you know, I've been doing some counseling, just going on, doing some things where uh, I'm not going to say the way I grew up was, I was, you know, I wasn't dirt poor, you know, we weren't rich. We, you know, we were on government assistance, right? I, I lived the life of, of a lot of folks that's living today, right? And, man, you grow up as an adult, and if you don't address those things or just literally just dig them up and see how they impact you, and it really screws with you. And what do I mean by that is, man, um, isolation, solitude, right? Solitude is great to visit but it's not a great place to stay. 
right? And so because of what happened in our experience, I was sexually abused by by a guy. He made me and his younger uh, sister basically do it, right? And and I had no idea. And I was, you know, I was only about eight, seven, eight, nine years old. And why that impacted me so much was, you know, back in the day before cell phones, pagers, my mom, you know, we would get phone calls and at the house. And every single day that the phone rang when I was home, I always feared that they were going to say something because I, I thought it was my fault. And so I suppressed that so long to the point of, well, how did it affect me? It affect me in ways that I've always guarded myself. I guarded myself, guarded myself from my wife, from my teammates. I, I, I created this solitude and really what, what it really was was fear. No one was safe. I was only safe by myself. And, man, you got to think about an NFL football player who's on this stage who's expected contractually to interact with people. I've always had my guard up, made myself very unapproachable. And that, unapproachable, that me being unapproachable was the fear to guard myself because I never really felt comfortable or safe around people because of what I experienced at eight, nine years old. And I didn't really realize how that manifested itself through my life to the point of like probably the last three years, I've just really started to open up to even apologize to my wife, like, hey, I never really gave you the credit you deserve of you are trustworthy, you are loyal. And some of the things I realized that were qualities of her, I started in our relationship resenting her because I always had my guard up. And my guard being up affected how she was towards me and vice versa. And it just became this perpetual cycle that ultimately it started from me at nine years old. My guy, right when I thought that I couldn't admire or respect or like you anymore than I already did, you have that. Like, I, I can't tell you how much I respect you sharing that. Really quickly, Steve, can you talk about just the, the importance of asking for help? I mean, you, you're, you're brought up in this climate and this culture of being, you know, tough and macho and yeah. football. Like, you, you don't ever share that you're any weakness or that you need help how important is it just to ask for help whoever you are if you need help i mean it's extremely it's extremely helpful to ask for help but it's also to sit down and not when you ask for help you don't ask from everybody not everybody needs to know your business right but asking particular per people and certain people that are safe enough to help you go through this process because when you come out on the other side it's freeing and for me, I didn't realize till about three, four years ago what I experienced was sexual abuse. Because when we think of sexual abuse, we think of mullet, you know, kids being uh, molested. We have this gruesome picture. It is, but then there's other facets of it that we don't really say it. And I think guys or young men are more susceptible because we are taught to be macho. And don't be a punk and don't be this. And sometimes, man, just realizing, just kind of going, like, you know, it's funny. As, <laughs> I, I was talking to a buddy a couple of week, days ago, and I said, man, heading moving forward into 2022, man, I want to enjoy life. I also want to kind of relax and drop the unapproachableness and, like, the tough guy and just kind of go, man, I just want to live life. 
And, you know, when I come up against things that kind of rub me the wrong way, I take a step back, I assess it, and I remove myself from it. And then if I don't agree with that, whether it be a friendship or a financial uh, situation or business thing, if it doesn't align or detracts me from where I'm trying to go, man, sidestep it, swim, move, say you don't want to be a part of it, move on. And don't look back because I'm gonna, I can't spend so much energy and time that I've used to use on talking people down and cussing them out and all that stuff. It's like, man, I'm just going to live life, bro, and, and enjoy life. And the people that get on my nerves, and leave them in a, at the next red light and, and move on. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. It's so, so good. I love that so much. Don't get hooked, man. Don't get caught up. Life is too short. Let's not use all this energy. I, I'm not even – yes, I agree with you. Sidestep, swim, move, enjoy life. He is a five-time Pro Bowl player. I ran down the stats. He is host of Cut To It podcast, which is an amazing listen. The co-founder of the Steve Smith Family Foundation and an NFL Network analyst. My man, I appreciate you so much, Steve. Hey, Thank hey, you so I, much, I, dude. I, I want to tell you, man, uh, it hasn't come out yet. I'm having an event in Charlotte. It's a private event. But in the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear, man, down there in Charlotte, we are actually building – a behavioral health urgent care that will be open 24 hours a day, 365 days that helps the uninsured, insured kids, adults, every mental health problem there is, medical medication, management, all of that. We're building a huge eight to 10,000 square foot facility down there, be open in 2022 for the county. Uh, the Mecklenburg County, and we possibly may be doing multiple ones in Charlotte. Hey, listen up. When you want to find amazing rates, organize your finances, or simply make smarter money decisions, LendingTree is here for you. With the LendingTree app, you can see all your bank accounts at a glance so you can better understand your spending and saving and build a budget that works for you. You can monitor your credit score. You can explore ways to improve your credit. You can get automatic alerts to protect your identity. And LendingTree can help make sure that you are getting your very best deal on loans, insurance, credit cards, and more through their wide network of banks and lenders. Plus, LendingTree gives you personalized tips and insights in to help you save money and reach all your financial dreams. So whether you want to pay off a debt, buy a home, build credit, or simply make things a little easier, LendingTree has your back for all your short and long-term goals. And best of all, there are no subscriptions, there are no fees, there is no hassle. Just easy, honest, straightforward support to make the most of your money and achieve greater financial health. So download the free LendingTree app right now and get started. Then see why thousands, thousands of people turn to LendingTree every day for smarter, easier finances. Terms and conditions may apply. NMLS number 1136. In Palm Springs. Terry, it's good to have you. How are you? Hey, Jim, I'm so excited to be here. I appreciate you giving me a vine for a second. You got it. You know, long-time followers since the 90s. You know, I've been around a couple of days. I called in one time as a scared little kid and got run like a little bitch. But besides that, I've grown up, try to be real. Been a Raider fan since 74. My dad, my stepdad was a Rams fan. My brother says, I'm a, Ram, I'm a Raiders fan. I said, so what are my options? He goes, Raiders. I said, okay. So 
so my brother passed away, my stepdad passed away. I'm a Raider fan for life. John Gruden gets our coach, comes back. I think, you know what? This might be the next coming of Jesus. And then I realized it might be the coming of the opposite. You know, you can't be a leader of men and be that kind of person. That breaks my soul, breaks my heart, breaks me in half. But then we get rugs, and it shows that, you know, that was the type of person he brought. He hated that he hates people, but he brings in the wrong character. But the core is good. Car is good. We will survive. Look out, New York, because we're coming alive. There ain't no doubt about it. I just want to be real. I'm a desert dog. They call me T-Rush. I'll be around. Whoa, 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 whoa. T-Rush. They call you T-Rush. Why? Yes. Why? Well, because uh, my, my name's Terry, and my last name's Rush, though. Ah. That's not a good call. No. My brother. Like I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Boy, that was like some of the most delayed self-glossing I've ever heard on the program. Normally when somebody, Terry, sorry to do that, or T-Rush, sorry to do that, but bro, you just said it yourself. You've been around for a minute. You've been listening since you were a kid. You heard the show in the 90s. You're a longtime quote follower. All of that said, Terry, you know you're not allowed to self-gloss. We don't allow that on the program. There's almost no rules on this show. Have a take. Don't suck. Don't self-gloss. No bum smack. Other than that, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Almost. You can't self-gloss. You can't come in here with a nickname. I don't care who bestowed that nickname upon you. You can even be that person in your own life, but not in this life, not on this show. You only get a nickname if the show gives you a nickname. I'm not even saying it's got to be me. I'm saying it's got to come from the show, the culture of the show, the fabric of the show. You're not T-Rush here. You're Terry in Palm Springs. If somehow, someway, somebody said something and said, yo, Rome, how about your boy T-Rush? And my response is, hey, that's good. I like that. That's going to stick. Then that's one thing. Then you get the gloss from the program. Now, Terry, you got a bunch of new friends. That just was really delayed. I have two more thoughts on that. Number one, it was the most delayed self-gloss I've ever heard. Normally, when somebody self-glosses, they correct me. Normally, that would have been like, hey, Terry in Palm Springs, what's cracking? Good to have you on the show. Actually, Rome, it's T-Rush. Actually, no, it's not. And he gets hammered, and he gets added to the group. He waited like three minutes before he corrected me. Secondarily, notice... I gave him a chance to explain it. Normally, I don't do that. Normally, I hear the self-gloss, and they get rung up. They get hammered. Alvy comes in with a sledgehammer. The reason I didn't do that is because me, Alvy, and many of you have forever regretted my not asking the so-called zookeeper how he got the name zookeeper in Toronto. Hey, Seth, how are you? Hey, Jim. First time, long time. But we got to go with my real name, the zookeeper. Oh, dude, awesome. Zookeeper. Good gloss. Where did that come from? Uh, at a buddy's wedding. <laughs> okay, let me correct myself. I did try to get the answer. That's on Alvin. I hate to run Alvy under the bus, but Alvin, that's on you. I didn't say run him. 
Or I didn't say that's not okay. I said, great gloss. Where did that come from? And he started to answer, but you got all yippy. You yipped up. You brought the hammer down. And we will forever wonder how that guy got that gloss. So notice I said to quote T. Rush. How did you get that name? Because I never want to miss out on a good story. Except T. Rush didn't have a good story for that handle. In fact, it was a bad story. Because it was no story at all. Anyway, Terry, welcome to the family. Say hi to all your new friends. Levi the Trash Man. Trash Man. Loney Carter in Spokane. The Axe. Bighorn Falling Boss. Jay Dizzle. Manny Cheeseburger over here. Shakala is Van City. Lone Prophet. The Grump. The Grouch. Moldoggy in NorCal. The Dougler. Zookeeper. Roaster. Garbage Man, Brad. The Cracker Jack. G-Money. Sexy Rexy from New Mexico. The Red Dog. Horse Monkey. Tree Frog. G-Money. B-Man. S-B. Bow down. Z-Man. Titan Woman. The Silly Rabbit. Barracuda. The Muscle Shark. Denver John. The Horse Whisperer. Main man here. The bread man. Pointing the bartender. Tombo. Smokehouse. Tombo yeah. Ed. I'm a desert dog. They call me T-Rush. The story behind why they call him T-Rush, I think, is that his name is Terry Rush. <laughs> Holy crap. My man. Yo, desert dog. Bro, I appreciate you. I do. That, honestly... I'm going to say that that does hurt me more than it hurts you. Normally, I can't wait to say, hey, this is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me because it's not going to hurt me at all. That actually does hurt me more than it hurts you. I could tell you're one of those dudes that stuff doesn't stick to, which I respect. I hate to do you like that because you made it clear that you've listened to me for a long, long time and you appreciate me and you appreciate the show. I'm sorry, but rules are rules. I've got to talk to you about the most amazing product, my X chair. My X chair is insane. I mean, it's incredible. I never actually look forward to getting to the office to sit in my office chair until I got my X chair. As an example, can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? My X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X chair can. And it's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for X chair. I'm talking crazy technology with my X chair. And once you feel the customized support of X chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar or DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. Take my advice. Try X chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Trust that. Go to xchairrome.com. That is the letter X chair R-O-M-E.com or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR for 100 bucks off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. That's xchairrome.com, xchairrome.com. Kyron Williams joins us. Kyron, great to have you on. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Jim? Good, dude. Good. Great to have you on, Kyron. Thanks so much. Yeah, glad um, to be here. Good to have you. Listen, lots I want to talk to you about, but I got to start only one place, really. That 91-yard TD run Saturday, it included an insane cutback and one of the filthiest stiff arms I've ever seen. What was the original play call, and then what was going through your head as that play unfolded? Yeah, so the original play call was just a basic inside zone, you know, just um, staying patient and finding uh, the holes where your blockers, the blockers are making, but that uh, play Pacific, um, there's a lot of penetration for the D linemen and the linebackers to fill the gaps as well. So 
when I went to go press the um, the right gap I was supposed to go to, it was filler, and I had to improvise from there. So that's when you see me uh, put my foot in the ground and get across field. And then, like you said, just when I seen that number, see number twelve, um, the last person to stop me, I just had to uh, make sure that he, you know, wasn't bringing me down, so I could go score. You did that. Kyron Williams joining us. I mean, the fact is, you nearly got stopped on the right side for a five-yard loss, but then you cut back. You said that you knew you were going to score, though, when you dropped that defender with that stiff arm, yet you still had 96 yards to go at that point. It's pretty amazing. How do you explain knowing that you were going to score at that point? How did you know? Yeah, I just, well, you know, I just having the confidence in myself and going out there knowing that I'm going to make plays uh, when they're there to be made. So uh, when I seen green grass in front of me, I just told myself that, uh, go and don't get caught. So I was in that play specifically right after that stiff arm. I was running for my life essentially. I was um, making sure the number 44 wasn't going to give me. I had blocks down the field that were going to help me set up to get to the end zone. So, like I just said, I just told myself to run as fast as possible until you get to the end zone. That's exactly what I did. Eyes, dude. You saw it all. Kyron Williams joining us. Now you're famous for that stiff arm. I gotta, I gotta ask, how does it feel? when you land a perfect stiff arm and which do you enjoy more the perfect stiff arm or juking a guy off his feet mm. it, it, I mean, it feels amazing i mean it feels amazing but it feels like big dog status type you know when you're able to stiff arm stiff arm a linebacker or a d lineman who might be bigger than you do you stiff arm them and you make them hit the ground harder than they hit the ground before and it's a good feeling it's like i literally just threw you on the ground with my arm uh, with my one arm but as much as I do love a stiff arm, I like I like making people miss more than anything because it really like leaves the defender like where did he go, and then I like leaving people guessing or questioning how did he just do that. All right, so that's the explanation I was looking for. That was actually better than I was looking for. Kyron Williams joining <laughs> us. That's perfect. So you're a team captain, and there's this energy. Like, I can feel it right now. There's an energy. There's an intensity. There's a fire that you bring to the field every time you step on. Like, where does the attitude and the approach come from? Is this something that you have all the time, or is this something you dial up when it's game time? I feel like it's something I have all the time, especially for football. You know, I have a passion and a love for football. I've been playing it since, since I can remember even from playing in the in front yard with my friends in the neighborhood. It's just always love competing, love going out there, and just, you know, just going to war for my brothers. So that's a passion, energy that I always have, no matter what it is. Even if, even in life regularly, I like to be a leader no matter what I do. And, and in a football field, I feel like that enhances those skills and those abilities even more um, to go out there and lead for your whole your team, your whole program, the whole school. It's just being that leader for a lot of people. See, the thing is, it does, I get that. It doesn't mean, though, that it's always going to be easy. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be challenges. As an example, right. you had a huge year last year, and then things did not get off to a great start this year because there was a lot of inexperience on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Seems to me a lot of guys, a lot of running backs in your situation may have gotten angry because your production, maybe even draft stock, could have been hurt by an offensive line that was developing, but you didn't do that. How did you go about handling those early challenges and processing them? I mean, I feel like it's just um, when something goes wrong, you don't want to keep adding negative things to it. You want to keep pouring positive things onto it so that you start seeing a change. And that's something that I did. I feel like I did very well um, in the early of the season. I never lost confidence in my alignment, never, not once. I knew that it was going to be a work in progress, and I knew that we were going to get better each and every week. So just believing that and going to work each and every day with those guys and making sure that you hold them accountable to the standard we have here and you allow them to 
you know, just allow myself to be able to tell them that I do believe in them, I do have confidence in them, and, you know, just, it allows them to give that um, kind of like a security blanket to where they can fall back on, and I'm always going to be here for them. So I just, I knew all along that it was just going to be a, a moment, a matter of time to where we start clicking as an offense and more specifically in the run game, and, you know, we're still coming along, we still got things to get better on each and every week, and I feel like that's what's the best thing about this whole line, because we haven't even, we haven't even reached our top potential as a run game yet. Notre Dame running back Kyron Williams, my guest. You know, I'm fascinated by transformation, improvement in anybody, in any walk of life. And I bring this up because if we were to go back to the summer, you were having a conversation about how you did transform yourself. You changed your diet. You got stronger. And a teammate stopped you and said, quote, Kai, it's not your body. It's your mental. I'm curious, what was your reaction when you heard that? How accurate was that? Like, how much were those workouts about changing your mind? And how much were they about changing your body? I think it was that was probably ninety ninety five percent of the thing. It's just you know, just as you speak, spoke on my freshman year, I was in, um, in as well. And I wouldn't say I was in good, ready shape to play a game. You know, just going in there to do the things I'm doing now. I was not ready for that my freshman year. I was um, a little on, on the heavier side. I wasn't defined, and that was really because my mental wasn't there. I mean, I was always questioning myself, my ability, all of that stuff. So once once the um, COVID COVID hit and I was able to go home. That's when my mental really flipped. That's when I had to um, tell myself, like, if you really want to, you know, live out your dream and go to the NFL and play in the NFL, like, you're going to have to do something to make a change to, to like, my body, to my mental, to allow me to get to where I want to be. And, you know, I just did that over COVID. And when I got here, got back here in the summer, it's just I was a whole new person mentally, physically. And, like, I just approached things differently. I approached it as a business thing, like I'm doing this so that I can get better and I have fun doing that, like workouts, practices, all of that. Like I go to practice now thinking like I need this so that I, I'm able to um, on Saturday be the best player that I can be. So, you know, just looking at things differently and coming with a different approach is really what helped me get to where I'm at. You know, it seems to me, I think you did what a lot of people did. Like when the pandemic hit, it was really painful and really hard because nobody had really been through anything like that before. But there was that small percentage that kind of turned it on its head and said, all right, I can use this as an opportunity. I've got an opportunity to do some other things and get right mentally and physically. You clearly did that and took advantage of it. So the team is now 7-1. and one. Again, it hasn't been easy. A number of early games this season were tight. The offense may not have been clicking the way everybody would have liked, but as a leader, how did you go about making sure that everybody did stay on their grind, they did stay up, and they didn't give in to how tough it was? Right. It was just keeping um, what we had in goal in sight, you know, keeping it relevant to everybody on the team and holding everybody to our team to a standard. Like, at Notre Dame, we play to a standard. Like, we don't accept anything below that standard because we know that if we start accepting things below the standard, then – um, things start going. Things start going the way you don't want it to do, and bad things start happening. So we know. Um, I know as often I mean, as a leader and then as a leader on the offense that no matter what it was, even if it was negative, we always have, like I said, keep being positive and keep having the goal in mind. So we challenge each other each and every week. Let's do this better this week. Let's do this better so that we can um, so they can result in this in the game. So you know, it's just being able being there for the for the people who are there for you and vice versa and always, you know, just having their back and giving them confidence is that's what we do as an offense and we all we all know that all eleven, we all work for one and we all um work for one goal. 
It seems to me like people hear things like the standard is the standard, like fans or anybody just hears that, and it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. It's like a cliche, but it's a fact, man. If, mm-hmm. if you adhere to it, and it's a lifestyle thing and a work thing. The standard really is the standard. And the standard right. really does need to be more important than feelings. And if you do that, you're going to win. I mean, it's real. I believe that. I, I, to- I really sure. do. Now, let me ask you this. Really- yeah, so you're from St. Louis. Last year you tweeted about Steven Jackson. Now, I, I yeah. love Steven Jackson, dude. I used to... He was so good to talk to and so good to watch when he played and such a good dude. He tweeted back to you, quote, Kyron, appreciate the love. I'm also a big fan of your talents. I can't wait to see what you do next this season. End of quote. Let me finally ask you, what did you like about his game and what did it mean to you to get that kind of love and respect from him? Yeah, um, I just I just liked him as a football player, but then more importantly, outside of football. Because I, I had the... Um, unique opportunity to go to um, a foster care event in the uh, Edward Jones Dome one year, and I went with my grandpa, and that's when the first time I met Steven Jackson. As that picture you see on Twitter, that's the first time I met him, and he was very open, and then he signed my phone case, and I was just telling him just how I wanted to be like him, and then a couple years later, one of my um, Little League friends' brother, um, Peter Tino, Lisa Mora, was a middle linebacker for the Rams, and so we were able to go, like, um, backstage or whatever, quote-unquote backstage, to where they come out the locker room. And, like, I remember seeing Steven Jackson every single time, and I would go up to him and just – I would act like I was his friend, you know, just, hey, do you remember me from last year, all of that? And he always never – he never said no, even though I knew he didn't remember me. It's just, like, he always kept the conversation going. and always encouraged me to keep, like, living on in my dream and making sure that, like, um, he set the right example for me to see that. I think that's super cool and not at all surprising. He is such a good dude. Kyron, one last yeah. thought. The matchup with Navy, I'm curious about that. That is such a unique relationship between the two programs, and the game is so different. What's it like to go up against them because you got the Naval Academy on Saturday? Yeah, so this is my um, first time playing, actually playing Navy. I was here my freshman year for right. it, and I watched it. Um, but it's going to be based on – um, making the most out of all of our, all of our possessions as an offense and being the most physical team on the field and staying sticking to what we do best and that's you know just like I said playing as one and not getting outside of what we do. Um, you know we got to be smart, no penalties and like I just said we got to take care of the, the possessions that we do get and make the most out of all of them because um, maybe the offense as everybody knows they run the triple option and like to take time off the clock they want to keep the defense on the field you know they go they go for it on fourth down so. As an offense, we have to have the mentality to come in, play fast, physical, and free, and make the most out of everything that we do. He was a preseason All-American this season. He is having an enormous year. Notre Dame is 7-1. and one. They're number 10 in the rankings. They're at home against Navy on Saturday. Running back Kyron Williams, our guest. Kyron, great job. Really nice to have you on. Appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Franz Wagner is my guest. Franz, great to have you on. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. It is so good to have you. So you're nine games in. Obviously, you played at a very high level at Michigan. Let me start right there. The NBA is another level, obviously, above and beyond. Yet you're making the transition to the league look much easier than anybody should make it look. How do you explain that, and how have you gone about approaching the transition? Um, I mean, coming in, um, I was hoping I would get some playing time, but I think it's just easier when you can play through some mistakes, um, just get a lot of chances right away and um i think my time in michigan also uh juan 
Howard um, being my head coach, I think we, we ran an NBA-type offense and also defense, and obviously the teammates and, and the coaching staff made, made the transition that much easier too. You know what, I was going to ask you about your time in Michigan and him specifically, but since you brought that up, let me jump right to it. I've got a ton of respect for Juwan Howard. What was it like to play for him, and what was your biggest takeaway from your time with him? Um, I mean, yeah, I had such a great time with him. Um, he's a players coach, so he's big on building relationships and talking to players um, on a personal level as well. And um, I think that that was really cool for me and for all my teammates as well, that he, that he always always had an open-door policy and we can ask him about anything, really. Um, and what I just took away is that, um, you know, the habits that you build on every day, that, that's what defines you and um, that's what that's why you should take every day as its own and um, not think about an 8-2 game season or anything like that. Just try to make the best, be the best yourself every day and uh, the rest will come. You know, there's a lot of talk about this. Also, I was going to get to this, but many around you, Franz, talk about the fact that not only, like, are you an older soul, but you've always been like that. You've always processed the game differently. You've always played. Like, your brother even talks about the fact that you were a veteran, even at a very, very young age. In fact, I'll just go there right now. Like, what is that? His Are these things kind of easy for you, and have you always seen them in a different way? How do you explain, quote, being a veteran even before you got to college? Um, I mean, it helped me, I think, a lot playing with professional players back home in Germany when I was, like, 16, 17 years old. And just having the opportunity to play against pros, um, not having to worry about school, but, um, you know, come to practice every day, um, do all my workouts before the practice even started, and just go go through my day like that. I think that prepared me and, and helps me now. Um, yeah, just, like I said, take every day as its own and... Um, yeah, and carried over to the game, hopefully. All right, so you had an absolutely enormous performance Monday night. You had 28 points in a game where you trailed by 11 in the third quarter. You come back, you win by 18, a wild, wild night. What do you remember most about that game? Um, yeah, I think just how we fought as a team, um, how we guarded really well I thought that game. And even when we were down a couple couple points, I think um, that didn't, um, you know, that didn't affect our defense in the way we guarded them, so. I think that was a really big step for us as a team. Franz, I think that, and I get that, I understand that. I think that a lot of people, when they look back on that game, what they're going to remember most was that dunk that you threw down with four minutes to go in the fourth, early contender for dunk of the year. What was that moment like for you? Um, I mean, it was crazy. I, I never had a dunk like that before. So, um, you know, I just saw the, the help side and just, and just tried one, but um, no, it was a it was a great moment. It was a lot of fun, and I think the coolest part for me was um, watching the video afterwards and seeing seeing all my teammates how crazy they went on the bench. Um, I think that was the coolest part for me. I think that was great. The reaction was amazing. Like we talk about your teammates too, Franz. You've got a team where you have 28 that night. Cole Anthony has 31. The team plays strong defense. There's a lot of young talent on this team. What does that say about where the team is going? and its upside overall. Yeah, I think um, we have a lot of potential, a lot of talented young guys that still want to prove themselves in this league. And um, I think that can be really beneficial in the long term, just having competitive practices and um, you know competing within the team as well. I think um, that can help us um, you know, get to the next level as a, as a team and as individual players as well. In front, you and your brother Mo are playing together. I've got to ask, what has that experience been like for you? I mean, one thing to always compete and grow up and come together, but to be together on this level, what's that experience been like? 
Oh, it's been great. Um, obviously, it's really cool for, for our fans as well. But, uh, I mean, growing up in Germany, the NBA seems so far away. And for us to, uh, to, bo- to both make it here and also playing the same team, having the opportunity to live together, um, basically spend the whole day together is, has been um, so great. The last couple of years, you know, we've been apart for a little bit and both had so busy schedules that we couldn't really, um, you know, spend time together. So we're really enjoying this. I'm on the outside looking in. I would have no idea, but I think it's one of the the best things ever. I think it's absolutely amazing. I love what he said. He said that when you guys were growing up, quote, I used to bust his bleep. I bullied him plenty of times when we were little, but those times are over, unfortunately. (laughs) As soon as he hit a certain age, those times were over quick, end of quote. What were the battles like growing up with him, and then what was it like when it flipped? Um, I mean, pretty much how he he said it. I mean, there was a... I mean, I'm four years younger, so uh, you can imagine when he was like 12, 13, 14, uh, that was, I was like 10, so um, that was really hard for me, but um, um, that, that really made me better as a player, too, always trying to compete with somebody that's almost five years older than you, so um, that helped me grow a lot as well, and uh, um, yeah, I hope now the the outcome is a little different when you play one on one. It sounds like it. Really quickly, I've had Jamal Mosley on the program. In fact, I had him on after he was hired. I was really impressed talking to him. What's he been like to play for? Much um, like Juwan, honestly. Um, he's a player's coach as well. Um, likes to have um, you know, conversations with, with us players and likes to talk things through with us and um, ask for our opinion as well. And I think um, that's been the coolest part for me, having uh, a coach like that where I can just go to and ask questions whenever I want. Also give some input if I have an idea and he's so open to everything. So um, that's not, that makes life for all of us a lot easier. Well, I bet, man. The game is changing. The world is changing. You've got to have that open-door policy. He also talks about the fact that he wants to keep pushing you to take more shots and not to be so tough on yourself if you miss a shot. What's that process been like for you? Yeah, I think that's been, that's been a theme and it's going to continue to be a theme for the whole team just to not be so result-focused um, during the year and during each game, but just to keep the process in mind, even if you miss a couple shots, if you take the right shots over the long term, that's going to um, pay off. So that's something that I've been trying to work on. Also, forgetting the, the, the last play, I think it's going to be really important for me in the future just to get on to the next play and I forget what happened before. I think mentally that can, that can change a lot of things. So far, so good. In fact, so far, so great. 15 points, four rebounds per game this season. The number eight pick overall in the draft out of Michigan. And again, Orlando is at home against San Antonio tomorrow. Franz Wagner, my guest. Franz, really appreciate you. Great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for a great conversation. Of course, no problem. Thank you. Good night now.